The Daily Tap is live for a special Saturday edition. We're talking Marquette's big win over Vermont, slaying the March Dragon, uh, and moving on for the first time in 10 years to play Michigan State. We're going to talk about the game itself. We're going to talk about the Michigan State matchup. We're going to talk about implications now that Purdue is eliminated. We'll do it all. So it will be sort of a rapid reaction, a few different takes about everything that happened yesterday in the scope of Marquette basketball. Maybe touch on a little bit of Wisconsin sports at the very end. I uh, want you guys to make sure to follow us on on Twitter, Tabby the Keg, uh, Tabby the Keg Sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok. We'll be hanging out on all those channels uh, this weekend. Also, make sure that you are subscribed. Make sure to rate and review if you already are subscribed. If you want to help out the show, that is exactly one way to do it. Um, also, uh, we would love you to share it with everybody who's dropping in the group chats, especially if you're a Marquette fan or you know a Marquette fan in your life. I think they would enjoy this podcast. Um, I don't think a lot of people are grinding out uh, pods on Saturday morning. Uh, granted, should it have been a little earlier? Yes. Uh, is that my fault? Yes. Is it because I, I was hopped up on NyQuil? Also, yes. So not to make excuses, but there were a few of them. Uh, so I, I will I will own that. Uh, we'll try to get better with this. Uh, but yeah, let's talk about Marquette, Vermont. Let's talk about slaying the Dragons and then preview Michigan State. So Marquette had not won a NCAA tournament game in 10 years. I told you guys that you would see that graphic. You sure, certainly did. You saw it about Shaka Smart, that he had not won a game since 2011. To me, this is why I was a little more nervous about the Vermont game than I felt like others that are in the tournament that will come across Marquette's way. Because I felt like Marquette might play tight. They might play like they have a little bit more to play for instead of just playing Marquette basketball. And for a little while in that game, I think we felt that, right? Uh, it was tight in the early part of that second quarter, second half, excuse me, where it was, I think at one point it was 45, 45 to 40, if I, if I have it right, that it was close. And it was like, all right, Vermont's hanging around. And they kept answering like every punch that Marquette was throwing at him. Every time Marquette kind of got on a run, Vermont would hit a three. Or they get a big shot or they get a foul, whatever it may be. And then Cam Jones took over the basketball game. Cam Jones had 18 straight points and pushed Marquette forward. And I think in the tournament, uh, more so than like the NBA playoffs or the NFL playoffs, you just need, you kind of need that one guy, that one moment to say like, here's that game. And if you're doing the championship DVD, it's all about Cam Jones against Vermont. Like if you look at what Cam Jones did, he took over that basketball game and single-handedly beat the Catamounts. Now, there were other guys that played well, and we'll, we'll touch on that, but it was Cam Jones that really pushed the game out. Like, it pushed it out to an 8-12 to 12 point game instead of it just being, you know, hanging around that 5-6, to 6-7 range. Like, that that to me is what made it so, so good from Cam Jones and why, like, he was so important. Like, Ken Palm had the MVP as also a Gadara, who I do want to touch on in a second here. But, and I think also had a really good game, but like Cam was so vital to what, to the success of Marquette basketball yesterday. And I, I think Marquette still wins this game, even if Cam Jones doesn't, you know, pull out the flamethrower. Uh, but I do think it's a lot closer. I think it's a, and we might feel a little bit differently about this team. But the fact that Marquette could go out there and win by 17 it, when there was a lot of pressure on them, where there were a lot of expectations, a lot of people riding them to the final four, to the final game, 
to even being a national champion. And they go out there and they win by 17, have no problems. It, it speaks a lot about the character and just the resolve of this team that they did not read their headlines. They did not look ahead. They they just put their head down, went to work, and played Marquette basketball, and they have been playing all year long. And that just impressed me um, because it just did not feel, for the most part, that they were shook by this. That this did this didn't bother them. That they were like, all right, yeah, Vermont's playing with us, playing with us, and then we turn on the screws in the second half. And that's been the story of the year is that Marquette makes adjustments at halftime and they really turn it on. And Vermont was pretty good from three in the first half. They made they made it a point that Vermont wasn't going to get an easy three point look the rest of the game. Vermont was terrible down the stretch. So. For those that are worried about Marquette's three-point defense, and it has been an issue this year, no, no doubt about it. There have been games where it's been really bad. It's been a lot better, and you continue to see Marquette's defense improve. And now the last two game, last three games, Marquette has held opponents under 70 points. If you go back to the St. John's game, they did help hold St. John's under 70, you know, in regulation. St. John's ended up getting to 70 in that. So you look at that and you're like, wow. They're kind of night and day defense a little bit where they've really unlocked a few things defensively. And I would love to hear that from Shaka about kind of what has changed. I, I, I'd have to look through the quotes. Maybe I'm sure there is something that, you know, people who cover Marquette do such a great job. So I, I would imagine there are some things there, but I, I really feel like the defense has picked up, but yes, Going back to Cam Jones, I felt like that was he was the star of last of last night's game. I, I just felt like without that, who knows? Maybe it's a little tighter. Maybe it's something that everybody's like, oh, upset alert, upset alert, and then you know it, it doesn't it, it doesn't actually happen, uh, which is great and unfortunate. But Cam, yeah, finished with 19 points. He made three threes. Uh, he also added four rebounds and a couple assists. So good stuff from Cam Jones. All around. only played 23 minutes, uh, which. That don't don't discredit this part of it as well. Marquette's minutes were very balanced. Um, also, Aguilar played the most minutes at 32, but he was the only guy that played more than 30 minutes in this game, and I think that matters because if you compare it to the box score of USC Michigan State, three guys were over 30. Uh, Joey Hauser played the most at 36. You also had AJ Hoggard at 28. Cisco uh, Mane, Mane, I think it's Mane Cisco. I think that's how I pronounce him. He was 21 minutes. Only called played 28 off the bench. So yeah, almost everybody on Michigan State played 28 or more minutes in last night's game, and that that has to matter. Like that that has to be an important part when you're previewing the game. But I, I want to stay in Vermont. A couple other things that caught my eye: Tyler Kolick obviously did not have a good game. Uh, it was a rough game for Tyler Kolick. I think if anybody felt the moment, it was Tyler Kolick. Uh, and I, it's to be expected a little bit, right? You're an All-American. You feel like you have to perform. We saw this against St. John's, too. And then Tyler Kolick went off and, and was great in the second half and in that overtime and sort of woke up. He didn't really get that opportunity to wake up in the second half because he picked up a third foul you know, early in the second half. And Shaka sat him for a while. I actually was kind of critical of that. I've been critical of Shaka a lot this year, but did seem to make a lot of sense that Kola kept was on the bench. They also didn't have a point guard for a while. They had they ended up adding Sean Jones, but it was very interesting to see how long Kola sat. So you want to think that he's going to have some redemption. You want to think that the pressure is off because his guys picked him up. So I do expect a much better Tyler Kola game. 
Because now it's like, okay, man, like you don't have, you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to impress anybody. You know, we're one game through it now. Now you go. Like now, now it's kind of your time, your time to shine. And I, it would not surprise me in the slightest if Tyler Cole comes through with a big game. But yeah, it was it was a rough night. I mean, he's three eleven, eight points. He ended up with four assists. He also had three turnovers in the game, which is not a lot. This is a very uncharacteristic Cole game. And so I I don't think that that's going to be the standard. And I think if that's Another takeaway to put Marquette in the positive, you're like, all right, you beat Vermont. Well, yeah, you should have beat, but you beat it by 17 points. It was 74 to 50 at one point, and you did it without Tyler Cole basically doing anything. That's that's a, that's also a red flag for every team you're playing going forward. Like Marquette can win without Tyler Cole at his best, and sometimes you're going to need that in the tournament. Like there's no guarantee that if Marquette goes far here that Kolek won't struggle again. That could definitely happen. It's very possible. So I, I do I do want to point that out. And, and I do want to, you know, acknowledge that because I, I think I think there is, you know, maybe a, a misconception that this team is all Tyler Kolek. It's not. It's it's a very balanced team. And you saw it last night against the Catamounts. Other things that are worth noting, I, I mentioned also Iguodara. I, I thought that he was going to be a key part of getting everything going against Vermont because Vermont just didn't have much size. That proved to be true. Oso was great tonight. Uh, 14 points. Uh, he made seven of eight from inside the arc. He had four, uh, five rebounds, five assists. That's a really good night for Oso. And he hasn't had one of those games in a long time. I mentioned that on, I think, was that Thursday's pop? Where I was like, I... I expect them to kind of unlock Oso. It seemed like they were going to try to do that against UConn, kind of go back to what worked against the Huskies in Milwaukee when, when Marquette beat them the first time. And they couldn't because the foul the foul stuff was out of control. But Oso, Oso was special in this one. And he was he played really, really, really well. And, yeah, that's the most points Oso has had since the Creighton game on the 21st of February. So good stuff from him. Uh, really took it to to Vermont, and yeah, I, I think he's going to have a chance against Michigan State. Like I, I look at Michigan State's size, and it's not much. It's Malik Hall, it's Joey Hauser, those guys, and Cisco. But those guys, I, I think Oso can handle. Like I think Oso is pretty solid um, and can do a lot. And he he showed he showed it. Uh, I think Omax also the length of Omax. That was one thing I missed in the preview. Was I talked about Oso and Ben Gold? I really should have mentioned Omax in that. And he had 11 points. Uh, did a really good job of getting to the free throw line. Uh, was four or five from the line too. And Joe Omax is the best uh, you know shooter inside. But yeah, did it in a lot of ways. Very crafty. Uh, played really well as well. So like while you obviously want to talk about Cam Jones first. You have to talk about what Igudara and Omax did because both of them, you know, deserve deserve the credit, deserve the acknowledgement of why Marquette won this game. And I thought their defense was great. I thought a little the little press with Omax, you know, in the front was really solid. Uh, they just Vermont didn't have any answers, and it, it's laughable looking back that people thought I, I shouldn't I shouldn't go that far. Laughable is a little intense. I think it was trying too hard. Let's let's call it that. Let's go let's go back. Let's call it. They were trying too hard to make an upset happen with Vermont and Marquette. I think Vermont, at this point, you can't really say the American East has a, has a leg to stand on. They this Every year, people get excited about Vermont, and it, it just doesn't work out. They, they're just not at the level 
where where a power conference is. I realize you're like, well, what about what Princeton did uh, on Thursday? It's like, yeah, but Princeton plays against some of these teams. The Ivy League, I think, is a better conference than the American East. I, I have this with no knowledge. But Vermont had played well against bad teams all year, and they got fat against bad teams all year. And then when they stepped up, they always seemed to stub their toe. There was a guy on Mark Titus's podcast that called them like they were like St. John's, which was one of the most laughable fucking things that I've never heard in my life. Again, trying too hard to make a square peg fit in a round hole. And so I, I do like what Marquette did. Uh, I don't think they took anything personal, but they made it a point to not not let Finn Sullivan get going uh, on St. Patrick's Day, no less. But Finn Sullivan, you know, American East Player of the Year, he only had six point or four points. Excuse me, he he had, he was zero of six from three. Like it was a rough, rough day for Finn Sullivan, and it sucks that kind of he ends his career like that. You know, I, I I have compassion there. I don't know if he has a COVID year or what, but if if he doesn't, like that's that's a bummer, right? It is. If you're you you feel for that, even though even though you're on the on the other side of the coin. But now Marquette heads to play Michigan State uh, in what should be a great game on late Sunday afternoon for a right to go to New York City or back to New York City for Marquette uh, for Michigan State to go to Marquette as well. Uh, getting the sort of big attention game uh, 415 on CBS is really really great for you know Marquette's brand and it just shows you kind of how Marquette impacts, you know, across the country. I, there's a lot of haters who say, oh, yeah, Marquette, whatever. You know, Wisconsin is the school, you know, in, in the in the state. Wisconsin matters, right? Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not trying – this isn't a rip on Wisconsin. But I think people forget how, like, Marquette to the olds matter. Like, the boomers, uh, people, even Gen, Gen X, no Marquette. Like, Marquette, Al McGuire – you know, Rick Majerus, Hank Raymond's like Marquette has been a thing for a long time. They're part of college basketball lore. They are, you know, in that conversation with a St. John's, with a, a Georgetown. Uh, Villanova, I think, got, kind of got themselves back with Jay Wright. They weren't actually that in the 80s. They just kind of had that one run with Ali Massimino. But they're they're the teams of yesteryear. Now, and then Marquette had runs with Tom Crean and Buzz Williams. But what I'm saying, what I'm trying to say, when I'm, I'm not probably doing a great job saying it, is Marquette puts asses in the seats. Okay, so that's why Marquette got you know one of the CBS games, and obviously Kentucky, you know, playing Kansas State, that's like the primetime game at one o'clock. You know, of course that's of course that's the game, right? That's not a surprise. That shouldn't be a surprise to anyone that Kentucky got that, that Duke got that uh, today. Like that's that's just how it goes. Marquette. Michigan State, uh, it, it should be in a very interesting matchup. Marquette has only faced the Big Ten team once in Wisconsin. They lost that game. Uh, it was a game where Wisconsin was absolutely flamethrowing from three. Uh, Michigan State trying to get back to a Sweet 16 for the first time in a while. I think it's it's been a little bit. Even though Tom Izzo obviously has been very successful uh, as a as a basketball coach in March, you know, it's, you know, it's been eight or was it the term is January, February, Izzo, April. Uh, they haven't got back to the Sweet 16 since 2019 when they had the very talented team that made it all the way to the Final Four. Uh, that team, that was the last time we saw Michigan State in the final, in the uh, 
Sweet 16. That was Cassius Winston, Nick Ward, Xavier Tillman, uh, Aaron Henry. Yeah, it was a good team. That was a very good team. Uh, but this Michigan State team, I don't think is as good as that. Uh, Michigan State played one Big East team this year. It was Villanova. They beat them at home. It was a pretty close game. They, Michigan State was in control. That, that also, that Villanova team did not have Cam Whitmore in the game. So I don't know if there's anything to glean from that where you can look at it and say, all right, maybe, you know, it was a long time ago. It was November. So I don't know if it matters, you know, how they, how they stack up against, you know, the other conferences, but, it's going to be a very good game, and it features two really solid guards with Kulik and A.J. Hoggard. And both those guys are, are really good. Hoggard doesn't turn them all over, just like Kulik. Uh, boy, he actually, Hoggard has a little bit more possession. He doesn't shoot as well as Kulik does. Uh, so, But it's going to be imperative that Kulik keeps himself out of foul trouble, right? And that he doesn't, he doesn't do some of the things that, you know, we saw in game one, that he plays within himself. I think, you know, one of the things that I'll, I'll expect from Shaka Smart early in the game on on Sunday is to, you know, get some easy buckets for Tyler Cole. Find ways to do, whether it's, you know, pick and roll and freeing him up or something else. I expect Tyler Cole will be a main focus early on to get him started. Just like Vermont, Michigan State can shoot. Uh, they are actually have the third best three-point percentage in all of the country. 39%. They also shoot a decent amount of them. Uh, 158. Well, 31.6% of their total points are from three pointers. It's not, it's their second. No, most of their stuff's done inside, but they also, they also do shoot it outside. So it's not, it's not unlike Michigan State to go out to the three point arc and just try to make it rain. So it'll be very important for Marquette to, you know, cut that off and to make sure that, you know, Michigan State isn't going crazy from deep. And Michigan State does allow a lot of threes, so there might be that opportunity for Marquette. Marquette actually, you know, their percentage is a little higher uh, in terms of what they shoot, but Michigan State's very good at defending the three. So where where you can beat Michigan State or where where there's some opportunity is inside the paint. Uh, that's kind of where where Michigan quote Michigan State quote unquote struggles, but they're they're pretty solid overall. They you don't find a lot of flaws in Michigan State. Now they have a tendency to get kind of sucked up by the momentum. Uh, we saw that in that Iowa game, right, where Iowa just sort of turned it on and, and they didn't really know what to do. They get flustered a little bit easy. You you saw that in the USC game too, where USC got on a run and Michigan State really really didn't have an answer for it. And then halftime came and it's probably a very fortunate halftime because if that, you know, was five more minutes, I think USC might have a 10 point lead and that's a, that works to Marquette's advantage, right? I think Marquette can fluster this team, even though they don't turn the ball over. They're pretty good at, at, at that. Uh, one of the better teams in the country. I still think Marquette can kind of get, you know, get in there. I think Joey Hauser is going to try too hard, right? This is a Joey Hauser revenge game, even though Shockey didn't recruit him. Uh, Hauser left Marquette for Michigan State. I would imagine that Joey Hauser is going to try to, you know, make this a little bit about himself. And I, I don't mean that in a bad way. I don't mean that in a negative way. I just expect you're going to have, you're going to have Joey play that. Also, Michigan State's going to want to slow down Marquette you know, offensively. Michigan State plays very slow defensively. They're going to want to try to drain some clock. If Marquette can play fast and they play their game, that works into Marquette's advantage. So we we will have to see. Uh, it, it, in terms of coaching, 
I, I think Shaka can outcoach Tom Izzo. Tom Izzo, a great coach, right? Not trying to deny that. I just think that there is, you know, he he's had a, a great year. Shaka has really figured out, you know, most teams and has unlocked stuff in the second half, and they're going to figure out that. I think it's important, too. We didn't have the problem, you know, in the game, in this game or in the Xavier game, the last two games really Marquette has played. But it's very important that Marquette does not get punched in the mouth early. Um, they've, it was interesting to hear the CBS broadcast. Uh, I think it was Lapis, who they've done a lot of, a lot of Marquette games, Steve Lapis and Andrew Catalan, which is great. It's a underrated, good, uh, broadcasting crew. Uh, they don't get enough credit. I don't know. I don't know if they're going to do a Sweet 16 a region, but I hope they do. They, they definitely deserve it. Uh, them plus Jamie Erdahl, who's really good at her job. Uh, the milkshake stuff was awesome. But Lapis did say one thing wrong that I, I have to push back on is he was like, oh, yeah, Marquette, you know, jumps out on teams. And I was like, do they? Like, they jump on teams, don't get me wrong, but I don't really see it as, like, an early early in the game thing. It's more of, like, the second part of the first half, right, the last 10 minutes. The first 10 minutes of the second half is, you know, another spot where you you really see Marquette sort of come to life. Like, I don't necessarily see it in that first 10 minutes. And so... You know, when he said that, I was like, ah, they don't really do that. Actually, I worry sometimes because sometimes they can be a little sluggish out the gates. I don't expect that in this game. I really don't. Um, I think, I think, yeah, they're going to, you know, make it happen. I think they also have to finish at the hoop, right? David Joplin had way too many bodies miss. Um, I like what Joplin's been doing in the paint, though. I have no problem with that. Being an inside out guy, he's really good at shooting threes. He's awesome from the corner, but he's gotten really good at getting down to the paint. And you just see the development of David Joplin. And I, I like the stock price for David Joplin is, is tough. To, it's like Apple stock. You know, I think David Joplin's going to have an awesome year next year. Uh, I'm really excited for what comes. And I still think he can have a moment. Like it would not surprise me if David Joplin is the guy that we're talking about after the Michigan State game if Marquette's victorious. So I'll also point out that you know, if Marquette, if this doesn't go well and Marquette loses and the season's over, it'd be disappointing. It'd be really frustrating. But I think, you know, it's important they won one game. It's important that that is over, uh, that we don't have to worry about that. The future is really, really bright. I'd still be disappointed because I think this team is good enough to be in Sweet 16. I think with how open the East is now, it's kind of Marquette's for the taking. And it would, but that, that part would bother me. Um, and that would sit with me for a little while that, especially if they lose in some dumb way. Right. Uh, but I don't expect them to lose. I also don't expect them to get their asses kicked. I, uh, I think this is a game that Marquette can take care of business. Michigan State, yes, is tough. But I, I do think Marquette, if they play their way, they can run this Spartans team off the floor. And not in like a they're blown out, but like I think they can tire them out. And I think. You know, from a stamina perspective and from a style perspective, I think Marquette can overpower them with their style. And I, I do think Marquette wins this game and advances to the Sweet 16 for the first time since 2013 as well. And if we're talking about the great, the larger region, um, it's really interesting, right? Now that Purdue loses to Fairleigh Dickinson, the biggest upset of all time. It was unbelievable to watch in the moment. I watched most of that second half and I, I just kind of couldn't believe my eyes. At some point, I expected Purdue to just kind of sort of wake up, win by five or six, you know, get done with it. But they didn't, and they couldn't make a shot. They were terrified to shoot. Uh, it was 
very telling. I mean, we had all seen, you know, some of the flaws of Purdue and some of the real struggles all year that their guards had had, especially with pressure. But I didn't expect it. And Fairleigh Dickinson was one of the, the smallest team in college basketball, and it didn't matter. And Fairleigh Dickinson now advances to face Florida Atlantic in the second round. And one of those teams is going to New York City. Um, assuming it will be Florida Atlantic. Um, Florida Atlantic uh, came back and beat Memphis. And Florida Atlantic's, you know, a team that if Marquette were to face them in the Elite Eight, it would not be not necessarily be one that that would work in their favor. Florida Atlantic loves to shoot the basketball. They're very good from deep. Uh, so FAU, not exactly, not exactly the team I think that the Golden Eagles would want to see if they were to get that far. But a long way to go. Long, long way to go uh, with that. And then I mentioned Duke a little bit. Uh, but, yeah, Duke, Tennessee, we'll have to see. I think Duke is the prohibitive favorite actually over Marquette at this point to come out of the East just because of the way they played against Oral Roberts. Um, I was mad at myself. I, I kind of looked at some numbers. And I was like, oh, I actually think I like Oral Roberts more. I didn't put them in a bracket. more just like a, they were plus six or something. And I was like, oh, I, I kind of like Oral Roberts more. And that was a mistake uh, right from the get-go. Uh, and Duke absolutely crushed them. Uh, and now I play Tennessee, and everybody likes Duke today. You just you do worry is did Duke look too good and did Tennessee look too bad that all of a sudden it, Tennessee ends up winning that now if Tennessee wins that game and it's Tennessee Florida Atlantic I'm gonna assume Florida Atlantic wins then I mean that's wide open and then it really comes down to you know Kentucky Kansas State I think it's gonna be a really just like the Michigan State game you know it would not shock me if it's Kentucky Michigan State in that other in that other region okay like straight up. If it ends up being that way, which I mean, that would be the dream of you know the broadcasters, right? They would love, they would love the opportunity for Kentucky, for Kentucky, uh, Michigan State. But I do, I do wonder, you know, where where Kentucky can go. Shibwe having twenty five rebounds is terrifying as a Marquette fan. Just seeing what he was able to do on the glass. Uh, Marquette has really struggled in terms of offensive rebounds. But you look at that, Kansas State, not not very good at it either. So. Uh, that game will be will be something, and I know the Madison Square Garden is hoping that they get Kentucky and Duke. So you get Kentucky, Duke, and Marquette, like two blue bloods and one you know kind of like a light blue blood. I would say Marquette's blue blood light, um, and then whatever Florida Atlantic, sure. But you at least have you at least have have a lot of a lot of hype. There would be a lot of hype in that region uh, for those three teams and a potential Duke. Duke, Kentucky, uh, lead eight is always, we'll, we'll always get the, uh, get the juices going. Uh, but we'll have to see. Maybe Kansas State ruins the party. Uh, but yeah, that, that, uh, offensive rebounding number is kind of alarming when you saw what Shibwe was able to do, uh, on Friday night. But yeah, it, it's going to be fun. Uh, you know, again, it's, I'll, I'll be, I'll be a fucking mess in terms of nerves heading down the stretch, but there's a, there's a lot to, there's a lot to be interested in in that e but we'll just have to see, you know, where where it goes from there. And, uh, you know, it, it's been a fun ride, at least for for a little bit. I was thinking to myself, I'm not really good at being superstitious for March. I have some superstitions for, you know, baseball playoffs, ML, uh, NBA playoffs, NFL. But I don't really have them for basketball. I'm like, well, do I wear the same shirt? Because I wore it on Friday, probably. Do I shave my beard? I, well, I'm getting a haircut on Saturday. And I'm not probably going to push it back because it's hard to reschedule haircuts. But I, I do think like every 
every round or every like weekend is a new like you could refresh your superstitions. I, I think once you get past this one, then it's like, all right, it's a new batch. And it's like whatever works. I think last I checked, Marquette will play Thursday and Sunday if they or Saturday if they advance. Uh but I, I don't know. Like I kind of got that from I wouldn't say a shady website, but like kind of like an aggregator website. So it could be wrong. I assume that Marquette or that Nassau Square Garden would be the Sunday host um, and not not the Saturday host. But I don't know. Maybe that's based on uh, the seedings, right? Because Vegas and New York are the three and four, and then the one and two are are the top. So maybe that's how they do it. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, we'll just sort of have to see. See how that where they where they put them, and we'll we'll know I guess with the Duke game today because they'll say oh Duke and Tennessee advanced to the Sweet Sixteen to play on Thursday or play on Friday. Then we'll 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 know that day. But yes, uh, we'll just we'll have to just keep our composure. I I think it's going to be a fight. I think this is going to be a absolute war, and we'll probably come down to the last few possessions. And I expect myself. To be standing uh, in my living room uh, for the final four minutes. But yeah, we will be back on Monday. We'll recap Marquette, Michigan State. We'll look ahead if we need to. Um, if not, we'll look ahead to next season. We'll look ahead to what could come. Uh, we'll also, I'm sure, talk about the Packers and you know, free agency stuff. Tanya's gone. They did sign a uh, you know interesting. Safety, they also brought back Rudy Ford. Um, so they've done a few things uh, this weekend. Uh, and also, you know, the Bucks had an embarrassing loss against the Indiana Pacers, but they have the Raptors on, on Sunday night. So they have a chance to kind of bounce back. Uh, it's kind of nice for Hoops fans. Uh, you get not only uh, basketball all day, but you also get a Bucks game uh, at seven against the Raptors, who we all, we all really like the Raptors. And if you're going to do... If you're going to go out for the Marquette game, weather's going to be nice. Today's brutal. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to even make it out tonight. Uh, today's brutal. Uh, the weather's like 18 or something. It's going to be nice, like 40, but the game's at 415. Then Marquette or uh, Milwaukee Bucks are at, at 7. So you could go do Mar go to the Marquette game at the bars and then go to the Bucks game. Not, not a little bad combination. We'll, we'll have to see. But all right, guys. That does it. Hope you guys enjoy this. Uh, thanks for all the listens. Thanks for everyone who entered into the Tabby the Kick contest for the brackets. Uh, best of luck to that this weekend. And yeah, we'll see you. We'll see you on Monday. So uh, take care and have a good one. Bye.